News Talk On Demand. Interruption-free audio where you want it, when you want it. on this beautiful Sunday. I'm Brittany Cafe here with Rick Van Dyvendyke. If you've got a question to ask Rick, you can give us a call. 1-877-332-8255 is the number. You can ask any garden or yard-related questions, and I can almost guarantee that Rick will have an answer for you. Good morning, Rick. I had, had to take the mute off. Oh, there we go. Okay. <laughs> yeah, almost, almost is the word, Brittany, almost. <laughs> <laughs> Almost every answer. Yeah, so it is going to be a very, very hot week coming up. Uh, yeah. Out in the garden, out in the yard, what should people really be paying attention to? I know that watering is obviously going to be top of mind yeah. for everybody. And the issue is watering, but not not a hum, how much you water is the huge one, okay? Because uh, in the, especially in the garden, and if you got whether in containers, your vegetables, or out in the garden, in the garden, raised garden box, or whatever. Uh, straight in the ground, you have to make sure you're consistent watering. So basically, you have to stick your finger into the ground and make sure you're not going to go too wet, too dry, too wet, too dry, because then you're going to have all kinds of issues in your garden, like to blossom and rot and powder and mildew and everything else. So just make sure that you're, don't just go out there, okay, I think I should water because it's hot, you know. So go out there and stick your finger in the soil, make sure your moisture is adequate, and then uh, there again, if it's too wet, if it look feel like it's wet, don't water it, you know? and especially this time of the year, timers, unless you're going away on holidays, uh, timers is is not your friend. And make sure if you do have to use timers, put your timers to come on in your in your garden or even your lawn in the morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, so early, if you want to worry about evaporation or everything else, just have it come on like at 6 o'clock in the morning when you know that the sun's going to come around into your yard. And or seven or eight o'clock or whatever, depending on the trees in your yard, and everything else, so that it dries often. But Brittany, this time of the year, um, with with it being so hot, like they're talking about, you know, thirty four, thirty five degrees in some places in Saskatchewan. Yeah. So you probably got the water sometimes more than once, especially in containers. So um, just make sure in the evening, if you water, just water early enough so that uh, when the water is uh, when when you're watering the plants, especially over the leaves, that the sun is still out in the evening, so early evening, so that the leaves dry off and don't have that water sitting on the leaves all night. And then your big trees, uh, just think about it, okay, Brittany? you got a, you got a big spruce tree out there or a big uh, linden tree that's, you know, 30, 40 feet tall and big, and everybody figures, okay, well, I'm just going to wa- – I watered the lawn, so I watered the tree. Well, Brittany, that's like me putting you out in the middle of a parking lot, you know, yeah. asphalt parking lot. And it's 35 degrees out, and I go up to you, and I just give you a little spritz in the face, and you say, that's all you can have. You can have a drink. You just get this little spritz in the face, okay? So so doing a deep watering for some of your trees in this kind of heat because they're out in full leaf right now is is huge, okay? So put this, put a soaker hose out there or put a garden hose out there and just let it trickle. So you're not. I don't want the water to go down the gutter in the street and waste all that water, right? So just let it trickle so it soaks down deeper. Or you can use what's called a Ross root feeder. It's a, it's a probe. It's about two and a half feet long. You stick it onto the end of your garden hose and you stick it in the ground and then you're watering at the root zone of these big trees. And remember to water at the drip line of the tree, which is out of the outer edge of the branches, not right at the trunk. There's no feeder roots at the trunk of the tree. Uh, you know, when it rains, where do you go and hide, right? Underneath the big tree, you don't get wet. 
So all the water drains to the outer edge, and that's where all the feeder roots are, and that's where you want to put your fertilizer, and that's where you want to put your um, um, uh, your, your your water line or your, your hose to drip. Uh, if you're going to let it slowly drip or a soaker hose or a Ross root feeder, that's the place. And then the last thing, Brittany, if you got new plants out, uh, you just planted in the last week or two uh, some new shrubs and trees, Make sure you water the root ball just a little bit uh, once or twice a day in this heat because the roots aren't out into the extending soil yet. And so the leaves will dry that root ball out and you wonder, oh, the soil's wet, but yeah, but the root ball is totally dried out. So you have to water right at the trunk of the tree, in that case, in a brand new planting, whether it be a shrub or a tree, and just give it a, as if you're watering that, that pot that was above the ground when you bought it at the garden center. And that's how much water you want to give it so that, because uh, if it starts to, if leaves, Brittany, if leaves start to shrivel, you're going to just don't go in water, okay? Yeah, that's kind of the automatic that, assumption. If things yeah. start looking like they're shriveling yeah. up, well, I must need to water it more. Water, no. So if you've got a shrub or something like that, take a piece of rebar, 3-8 rebar. That's what I like using. It's a cheap little uh, moisture meter because you can stick it into the ground right down to the bottom of the planting hole, and you can you can pull it out, and there's ribs on the rebar. Actually pull a little sample of soil out, and you can check if the bottom of the of your pot of your of your planting hole is just really wet, and that could happen because maybe you had a rain in your area, or you know, uh, and your clay just uh, doesn't absorb any more moisture, and so your bottom of your roots are sitting right in the water, mm-hmm. and it could be wilting, and and you're thinking, okay, I need water because it's wilting. Oh no, check it first. Always check if you see a plant flagging or looking like distressed. Probe the soil, check what's going on. In a new plant, you might probe the soil, plus you may probe the root ball itself in a new planting, but otherwise in, in an old existing planting, just probe the soil down and just check the moisture and then you're good to go. Perfect. All right, we're going to head to the phone lines now. We've got Lindy on the line in Moose Jaw. Hi, Lindy. Hi, how are you? Doing good, thanks. What's your question this morning? Well, my flower bed was doing quite well, and now I woke up and there's like brown spots over all the leaves, and it seems like every morning there's more plants with brown spots. Yeah, so brown spots can be a couple of things. You could have a fungal going on, uh, mm-hmm. or you could just have water spots on the leaves when the sun's really hot, and then it burns a little perfectly round little hole in your leaves, okay? Because the water droplets act like a little magnifying glass and burn a hole in the leaf. So it could be both. So what you may want to do is uh, just bring a leaf or two into your local garden center and get the expert there just to make sure it's not a fungal. They'll take a look at it. There's a little magnifying glass, and they'll they'll check it out, and they'll make sure that it's not a fungal and just a water spot. Because uh, if it is a fungal, you, just a quick little little spray of a fungicide, and you can clear it all up. Oh, perfect. Well, that's easier than I was expecting. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Thank so you. it's really it's, yeah, without seeing it, I can't really tell what it is. But it's, so it could be, mm-hmm. like I said, just water spot or that. So just take, bring a sample into a garden center, and you, they can check it out for you. Right. No. Perfect. Thanks so much. Awesome. Okay. Thanks so much, yeah. Lindy. Hey, Rick. If it is water spots that are just burning holes, what do yeah. you do to avoid that? Would you just water down at the base of the plant rather than yeah. over the leaves? Yeah. And yeah. Any plant, if you can water over the base rather than on top of the leaves, that's better. So water right at the soil. Uh, so whether you have a little, you know, those weeper hoses, you know, that you can put in the garden or, you know, a lot of plants you can't, you got a whole garden, you're putting it overhead, right? Yeah. So just make sure that you're watering earlier in the morning rather than the middle of the day when, when the sun's intense, you know, and you got these water droplets on there so that it dries a little, you know, it dries when it's not so hot out. 
And then you'll a lot of times won't get that issue with the water droplets. Okay, perfect. All right, we're going to head back to the phones. We've got Lori in Radisson. Hi, Lori. Hi. What's your question? Uh, well, I don't have a question. Well, I guess I have a question. It, um, we have um, some maple trees in their yard that uh, we noticed weren't doing very well, and we thought maybe it was spider mites, so we sprayed them with water. Uh, but now we're noticing like a, a beetle burrowed into the bark. Okay, so there's uh, if it's just beetle burrowed into the bark of maple trees, uh, there's not too many board like beetles that that will hurt the maple tree. It's unless unless it's a, a maple bug, but they're more of an orange color, you know. Okay. And you'll be able to tell what they are, and then they just they suck on the sap of the tree, but. It's very rarely uh, maple bugs will kill a maple tree. Um, well, this, it, so, this doesn't look like that typical maple bug that like is yep. red and flies around. It's they're black and they like they they crawl. Is there, there, is is there lots of them? What um, is, there, is is there lots of them or just one or two? There's a yeah. There's a fair amount. Is a fair amount. Yeah. So what you can yeah if you're if you're concerned that way, uh, what you can do is just, and you can see them. Uh, then you can just you can spray them with an with an ambush or even insecticidal soap and uh, and uh, one I like to use is called Endol. It's insecticidal soap, uh, uh, canola oil, and a little tiny bit of pyrethrin, and uh, which comes from the chrysanthemum, and then that will affect the nervous system of those beetles really well, okay. and it will take care of them. So just it's called Endol, and it's very safe to use. Um, now, okay, so those aren't possibly killing the tree then it could be spider mites yeah. as well well the only thing is with the maple trees i mean this did it happen last year too or just this year it just, really started just this year how old is it the tree uh they're goodness they better be 15 years 20 years old okay okay they're older so this last winter this last winter um i even noticed the maples in the bluffs around my yard they all took a hit this last winter uh they didn't what's the problem with maples in the fall they didn't didn't shut down in time. They they froze with their leaves on the trees. A lot of them, it didn't turn color as quickly. And last fall, and then we had that snowfall that came really quick. And the ground. And then then what happened then is that you had the frost, the heavy. We had some record breaking temp, low temperatures in the middle of winter time. Mm-hmm. And then that ended up affecting poplars, maples, especially ash. I have some mature ash around the garden center that are dead from top to bottom. Okay. And so it, it affected a whole bunch of trees. So I don't think it's those insects that got the maple. Okay. I think it's mainly the drought last year and then also that they didn't shut down last fall just because just the way the season went and this mm-hmm. the effects. It was a, it was like a, a perfect storm, which was not good for these plants, for a lot of these trees last year. Okay. And I, I don't think it's the bugs, but the bugs, they're easy to get rid of. Like I said, just spray them with Endol or Ambush and that'll take care of them. Okay. Because we do have a lot of maples around and it is only a few of them. Like it's not all of them. So... Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so there again, it all depends on the area, how much moisture was in that spot for that one tree. Okay. And I have have the same thing around my yard. There's there's one that I'm looking at right now that's perfect, and one that's down about 30 feet away from it, it's the whole top of it's dead. Oh, okay. All right. We'll we'll maybe pick up some of that product then. Perfect. Thank you. Thanks so much, Lori. All right. If you've got a question, you can give us a call. 1-877-332-8255. I'm Brittany Cafe here with Rick Van Dyvendyke, and you're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. 
I'm Brittany Cafe. I've got Rick Van Dyvendyke here with me. If you have a question about anything garden or yard related, feel free to give us a call. The number is 1-877-332-8255. Right now we have Tom on the line in Choiceland. Hi, Tom. Hi there. What's your question? Well, I was wondering, like, my mom's garden, well, the maggots are eating her multipliers and her big onions. So what can you use to stop that from happening? Yeah, the, the best thing to use is called uh, a grub begone nematode. It's, so it's a little it's a little insect you spray into your garden, and it goes after the cutworms, the the all those little maggot worms, all that kind of stuff. You need to it's the little nematodes, little worms that go after, uh, and just have to follow the instructions because you got to sort of make your garden moist first. Then you spray this, uh, these, these uh, nematodes onto your garden, and then they go and seek and destroy because all the other chemicals basically are gone. The only other one you could put down when you actually plant your multipliers nut is put down diatomaceous earth. You sprinkle a powder in there, and that, that basically, you know, basically cuts them up and dehydrates them. Uh, but otherwise, after the plants are in, there's no chemical or anything that you can use anymore uh, in the garden. So the the nematodes is probably your only choice. Yeah, because uh, like she wants to start replanting some of it. Yep. Yeah. So if you're gonna if she's gonna if she's gonna replant, then then put some diatomaceous earth with the plants. But otherwise, yeah. Uh, your garden, if you spray that throughout your whole garden, it'll take care of all those grub type of uh, insects that are in your garden and in your lawn too. So if you have even sod webworm in your lawn or uh, cutworms in your lawn, these work great for that as well. Oh, is that that cutworm, cutworm melody sauce you get or what? Is that again? Uh, say that again, sorry? I said, is that that uh, cutworm melatonin you get? Yeah, it, it could be it could be from a cutworm that that's that there, but otherwise just an onion maggot. If you got them in your onions, it's called an onion maggot. It's a fly. They lay the eggs once the onion pops out of the soil and the leaves, and then they lay the eggs in the leaves and then they go down, and then they go right to the onion. Uh, so, the, like I said, the only way you can get rid of those is with the nematodes. Yeah, I heard you talking about that before. You said that they're in the grass, right? Yep, they could be in the grass. They could be in the garden. They're all throughout the place. Okay. And they fly out there and lay their eggs as soon as that comes up, right? That, that's correct. And the only other way you could protect them from that is what we call using a crop cover. And then you just leave them on for about a week or so, week two weeks after your, your uh, onions come up. And it's a white fabric you put over top because then the flies can't get at the onions and they'll go somewhere else and lay their eggs somewhere else and then you can take it off. Okay. So, they so have to, you have to do that really early. As soon as you plant, you put this cover over top. So what? And then always and, and always rotate your crop around in different places in the garden. Yeah, oh, mom always does. She's got summer fall here and there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Perfect. Awesome. Perfect. Thank you so much for the call, Tom. All right, now we've got Quentin on the line out in Vanskoy. Hi, Quentin. Hi. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Thanks. Very good. Great. Thank you. Um, yeah, I'm just curious about, uh, we have a couple of apple trees in our yard. Of course, last year, nothing because all the blooms got blown off. So um, they're quite small right now, probably uh, a quarter size. I'm just curious, can one thin them out a little bit because there's quite a few in a bunch? And will I get um, maybe larger apples as the season goes and then it's not producing so much fruit? 
and should yeah, that be yeah, done regardless? Yeah, you can do that if you wish, or you don't have to do it. But if you want some little bit larger apples and a few less apples, you can actually very carefully just take a little scissor so that because if you just go and start yanking on them, there's chances are you'll damage the other ones in that cluster, you know. So yeah, just take I'm, a little scissor and just cut them off, and uh, then you can definitely thin them out, and so that you'll have, you know, a little bit bigger fruit if there if there's a lot of fruit on that tree. Yeah, because um, it seems like there's quite a bit more, obviously, than last year. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just not a, uh, see not a problem at all. Yep. Okay. And uh, just a, a quick statement. I was going to say, you were talking about maple trees earlier. Um, yeah, yep. we have a, a few maple trees in the yard also in an ash. Yeah. And uh, the leaves just aren't coming out as usual. And, and these maple trees are probably 70, 80 years old, at least, the wow. Manitoba yeah. maples. And yeah, is, is no, what you had said previously? Yeah, there, it's, there's old, like these trees I'm looking at right now are old, you know. And so there was just a, there was just a weird winter. Uh, this the fall, the winter, the snow, right. the small that came, the snow that came early. Uh, there was a lot of damage, and even people calling me about their poplars, and uh, they've never had an issue with them before, and they lost the whole top or sometimes the whole plant. And like I said, I have some ash trees that are that are mature, like big trunks on them, and yep. they're not a single leaf on them right now. Now the only thing with the ash, I've seen them come out, even. I've left them and seen them come out that later on that summer, or I even had one ash tree in one condo complex that they never got around to taking it out. It actually leafed out the next spring again. Okay. So especially, especially when they're that big, sometimes they just have enough energy to, to put them through because uh, the buds were damaged or whatever. So I wouldn't be in a hurry to take it down uh, and no, then, no, uh, no. and just see, and, and then, uh, and then go from there. Okay. Thank you very much. Thanks, Quentin. Have a great day. All right, we're going to take care of one or two texts on the text line quickly. This is from Jerry from Stockholm. I have tiger lilies that haven't bloomed in two years. When is the best time for me to relocate them? In the fall. Okay. In the fall or otherwise, like in September, uh, is a great time, early September. Okay, sometime early September is a great time to relocate them. Or otherwise, another time is in, otherwise, if you miss it, then is first thing in the spring, as soon as the frost is out of the ground. But the fall is a great time to transplant them. So, but early September. Okay, perfect. All right, here's one from Mark in Emerald Park. I'm wondering about lawn aeration. How often can it be done? Will it hurt the lawn to do it in the fall? No, no. Uh, what it, sports fields and golf courses probably do it probably three times a year, right? Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, it's depending on your traffic. Right, you don't need to do it that many times unless you got a lot of traffic. They do it on greens quite often in golf courses because there's a lot of people walking on the greens, obviously, mm-hmm. right? Or a soccer field, you know, there's lots of kids out there pounding it down. Uh, it just gets so compacted that they need to aerate it more often. But a normal garden, uh, unless you got a you know a, a track that you're going from the back door out to the garbage cans all the time <laughs> that you're trotting it down you may just want to aerate that area you know yeah. uh, but it's not necessary to do it that many times a year unless you have a lot of traffic perfect all right we're going to take a quick break if you've got a question you can feel free to give us a call send us a text one 332 8255 I'm Brittany Cafe here with Rick Van Dyvendyke and you're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME Cafe here with Rick Van Dyvendyke. You can give us a call, 1-877-332-8255. Right now we have Phyllis on the line in Quill Lake. Hi, Phyllis. Hi. 
What's your question? Um, my uh, my tomatoes were he- plants were healthy when I put them out. They looked really good, um, but now that they're blooming, um, the new uh, leaves around the you know where the blossoms come uh, on each between each leaf and everything are really curled real tight around the blossom and everything, and it seems like it's affecting the fruit. Like the fruit seems to come out uh, more like cat faced or whatever. You know, like real. Lots of yeah, lines it, in it. Yeah, if if it's cat face, that has to do with the moisture issue. Okay. Okay. Uh, you have to watch your moisture so you're consistent watering. And if you go in wet, dry, wet, dry, you'll get those kind of situations. Another thing that can make the leaves on tomato curl, it, it sometimes is a is a drift of just a fine drift of a of a herbicide, and it could be from, you know. The wind was going the right way, and it was somebody that was uh, three yards over, you know. Oh, okay. And and sometimes if it's so, it's sometimes really tightly curled. You'll you'll kind of see it's it's kind of a if if you if you Google herbicide damage on tomatoes, you'll be able to see a picture of what it looks like. Okay. Yeah. And you'll be able to tell it looks the same. But but a lot of times, what if you're saying if the if the fruit is going cat faced, then that has to do with the moisture issue. Then you have to just be more evenly moist. You can't go wet, dry, wet, dry, wet, dry. You just gotta you gotta stick your finger into the soil. Okay. And also also add a fertilizer with calcium in it. Okay. Yeah. That'll also help your plant too to be able to to go through those those times like that when when it's it's stressed out like that as well. So, so find I've, some. I've, I've crushed yeah. um, eggshells and put it down yeah. in in the bottom. It's it's not enough. It's not okay. enough calcium from the eggshells. All and right. so, so find a find a organic fertilizer that has calcium in it, mm-hmm. and just add that to them. That'll help a lot. But your biggest issue, I think, is watering, and just be consistent. Stick, don't water until you stick your finger into the soil. Okay. Okay. So it should be constantly moist then. Just moist, but not wet. That's okay. that's huge. Okay. All right. But not wet. Okay. Thank you. Thanks so much, Phyllis. Okay, Rick, now Phyllis's question about tomatoes has got me thinking about mine. Um, We planted tomatoes in our yard for the first time this year, and they've just started to bloom. We're getting the yellow flowers, which my three-year-old is very excited about. Um, But we don't really have a ton of bees in our yard. I see one every now and then, but we're in a relatively new neighborhood, so there's not a ton of bees around all the time. What can I do just to make sure that these tomatoes produce properly okay so one thing you can do is first of all when you're planting your garden just plant more flowers around that would attract bees okay Okay. so that's one thing first of all is just plant some annuals even in pots or in the garden or whatever just make it more attractive that bees want to come to your yard because there's more flowers to be able to you know grab or grab pollen rather than just a couple tomato plants right so and so that's huge so just having more more pollination for plants around for that other than that you can be the bee Brittany. Yeah. And so by being the bees, get some Q-tips, okay, and just go from flower to flower, from plant to plant, across and everything else, back and forth, and just be the bee with the Q-tip, and then you can you can do your own. There used to be a product called Tomato Set. Uh, it was a tomato flower. You used to be able to spray it and you used to set the flowers, uh, but that's no longer on the market anymore, so now you just need the Q-tip and be the bee. Perfect. And does that work? Like tomatoes are really the only thing I'm concerned about. But for someone who maybe has cucumbers or other garden veggies in their yard, Pump- would that do the exact yep. same thing? Cucumbers, pumpkins, peppers, anything like that. Anything that has a flower uh, that works that works just as well if you're worried about that. But like I said, the, the biggest thing is remember in the spring when you're planting your garden, no, plant other flowers around so that yeah. you're attracting 
you're attracting the bees to your yard and they want to go to they, bees want to go to they'll remember where to go back where they know there's lots of pollen right they don't want to waste time in spots where there's only a couple plants right so otherwise that's why uh, a lot of people just have a couple tomatoes on their balcony from a condo yeah. and that's why you need to be the bee Okay, perfect. All right, we've got a couple of texts here. Um, I have a Katoni aster shrub that has died in the center of the shrub. I noticed for a few years that I would have small bunches of leaves that would turn brown and curl up and I'd take them off. But last year I noticed that the center of the shrub was dead. I removed the center. Um, is there some way I can get the center of the shrub to fill back in? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so there's two things that affect Katoni aster right now. Uh, actually three things but the third thing is not as bad right now is number one is fire blight and so it turns the it turns the leaves brown and sort of they curl down and in and and it starts spreading from one plant and it starts moving through the whole hedge let's say and so you need to trim that out you need to sterilize your pruners quite often because you'll move the, the the virus through your your pruners into the other cuts so sterilize your pruners many times and uh, cut it down and i like cutting it right down the ground and then letting the plant come back up again and so uh, and the other one is scale scales where you see these little looks like uh, like a scale like gray white scale on the branches and there's so many that they actually just they suck the sap and they just choke them off mm. that when they in the crawling stage you can spray them with uh, ambush or endol that works really well and the last one is pear slugs but you'll see them on the leaves and they'll basically suck little spots and leaves it looks like a little tiny slug on the leaf and uh, but you can spray those and get rid of them easy but fertilize with 30 10 10 once every three weeks from may the 10th until with the contone aster until about august the first and you can get them to come back like crazy okay perfect all right we're gonna head back to the phone line we've got zoe in saskatoon hi zoe hi hi what's your question so we've got some kale plants and they seem to be losing all of their root support so they, we plant them, they do well for a couple days, and they just kind of wilt and fall apart, and you go to kind of touch them, and they just kind of come right out of the soil. And last year we had kale in the exact same spot, and it did absolutely amazing. So I'm wondering what's going on this year? Why are the roots kind of disintegrating? Yeah, so if the roots are disintegrating, you might have, uh, like, there might be a grub or something like that. Are the roots totally gone? Or are the roots there still? They're just not hanging on? Or is there no roots left? They're gone. They're kind of just mostly gone. That main tap root is yeah. there, and otherwise they're gone. Yeah, it sounds like you might have a cutworm or a grub or something like that that's eating on the soil, eating on the roots. Uh, in If okay. you're in rural country, it could have a vole going underneath the ground or a mole. But that they yeah, will so love a, that as well. Okay, it's a raised garden bed, so I doubt it's okay, a no, vole. No, or a vole. No, 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 it wouldn't be that then. Oh, it could be still a vole in raised garden beds. They love raised garden beds. <laughs> but uh, but oh. you would see the holes in the ground, okay? So you'd be able to see it, the, you know, where they go in. And uh, yeah. But otherwise, you, you might have got yourself um, some, some grubs in there. So uh, just dig the soil up where they had them, and you'll find the grubs. You just have to sift the soil a little bit and check for the grubs first. If you do have them, then you need to use those nematodes to get rid of them, okay? But I have a feeling that that's your issue uh, if you're okay. having that type of issue with the kale, okay? And all of the other plants are doing just fine, so the grubs are just going for the kale. They'll 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 be very picky sometimes. They'll go after one thing, like the onions. They'll go after some uh, one bug will go after just the onions. The other will just go after kale. One will go after just radishes. So there's different bugs for different plants. Oh. 
Very great. Okay, okay and so that's a nematode? Nematode. It's uh, it's called uh, a grub. I think it's called grub be gone nematodes, and it's a little little awesome. ball you buy it there. And uh, but but first, do do some research first, and do some checking into your soil, and just do the sift the soil up and just see whether you got those bugs, especially right where you got the plants having the issues. Okay. Okay, great. Thank awesome. You so much for your help. Thanks so okay. much, Zoe. Man, all the delicious garden vegetables and the grub goes after kale. I don't know what's yeah, on yeah. what's on well, that and, grub's mind. And, and another one, I mean, those flea beetles go after the top of the kale really yeah. bad, but the flea beetles aren't too much an issue in gardens anymore. They were earlier in 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 May. They were a big problem. So. Mm-hmm, definitely. All right, we are going to take a quick break. We'll be right back to answer some more of your calls and texts. Uh, if you have a question, feel free to hop on the line. The number is one eight seven seven. 332-8255. I'm Brittany Cafe here with Rick Van Dyvendyke, and you're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Here with Rick Van Dyvendyke. If you have a question, feel free to give us a call, 1 877 332 8255. We have Cecilia on the line in Saskatoon right now. Hi, Cecilia. Hi, I've um, been listening to your program, and we have problem with uh, beet leaves. They get a white, looks like a slime almost, and it's oblong in shape, and it looks like a rust color line around this white. Today, this morning, we found two little bugs, not bugs, you couldn't even tell what it was, but it was moving. And then also looked up farther up, closer to the edge of the leaf, there was like a little worm. What is it? What can we do for it? Last year we had it, and this year again. It almost sounds like spittle bug. Spittle bug. Spittle bug, that's what it sounds like you have. So uh-huh. it's a, it it like it looks like a spit or a slime, right? Sort of, yeah. On your leaves, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It sounds like spittle bug. You can look it up and you can see what it is. They're easy to kill. I mean, you, they usually don't have very many of them, and a lot of well, times we had just... it last year on the beets, and it was across yep. the whole two rows. And this year oh, we notice again they come up good, and yep. now it's on there again. Could it be something in the ground? Yeah, well, they have, they'll they'll stay in the ground, but come back up. That's why it's so important to rotate your crops around, right? To make sure you well, go in different places. Well, they weren't put in the same spot, no. Yeah, yeah, but the gardens aren't that big a lot of times, right? So it's hard to move them that far. So what you want to do is just they're easy to get rid of. Those you can even blast them off with water. Even uh, you can hit them with something like called ambush. You know, you can use ambush up to on on those kind of plants. You can uh-huh. use up to, I think, one or two days before harvest. So that'll work. Oh. It just takes, and, it takes care uh, of them. And can the leaves be used, like if I put this ambush on? Is, as long as you... in a day yeah, or so? The, the instructions will say for different plants, how many days before harvest. Okay. okay. So just read the instructions so for different plants. Some, some will be one or two days. Some will be five days. Some will be 10 days before harvest. So just check oh, okay. your instructions. It'll say how many days before harvest you can spray. Okay. Now, and I have another question, if I may ask. Yeah. Yeah. We also noticed on the Saskatoon berries, there seems to be some growth on it, and it looks like a growth, and it's got little tiny uh, things poking out of it. Yeah, yeah, it's a fungal. That's and a what fungal. That it'll, it'll be like a rust fungal, is called, and so right. you'll either have them on the leaves, and it moves on to the berries. And okay. Yeah, that to spray, sounds like you, it. Yeah, you need to spray that with copper spray. Copper and you spray. Can spray yeah, you spray that if you have it if because it'd be come back next year again. Okay, so what you need to do is you need to uh, uh, in the 
pick all the berries off if they have it later on don't leave them on the bush okay and then get rid of them or whatever if you don't want to use them okay and then otherwise um uh spray with with a product called bordeaux but next year you want to spray uh just after the blooms have finished okay and that'll prevent that from happening again with bordeaux yeah Okay, and now uh, can we eat the, eat the good berries on it or not? Oh, or, absolutely. And absolutely. just pick the rest off because I notice some of the berries, then they get a little like a brown spot on it. Yeah, yeah. And I would don't yeah. want to use them. Yeah, if you don't want to use them, still pick them though, but uh-huh. destroy them. Get, get them out of the garden, okay? Don't okay, put them in so the compost spray, or any of that. First yeah. to spray with copper spray this year. Now, I would even spray like we're still we're still well they're going to be you're going to be they're still they're not ripe yet right the Saskatoon so well, we picked you about could, a cup yesterday okay so then I would suggest now waiting until after you finish harvesting and then uh-huh. spray them once with Bordeaux this this summer yet okay and yeah. then spray them next spring again okay before okay. just after they finish blooming okay Thanks so much, Cecilia. Okay, thank you very much. Thanks. All right, now we've got Gloria on the line out in Assiniboia. Hi, Gloria. Hi. What's your question? I uh, last for the last couple of years, we've been spraying our trees with a fire hose and water tank with copper sulfate and melathion because we're losing all our ash and elm trees, and it's okay. I, there's disease, but there's also got to be a little bug because the leaves curl up, turn br- yellow, and then brown. So we're wondering, could you actually use uh, that copper, the ag copper sulfate in an airplane to spray? Oh yeah, yeah. I get lot, especially with spruce trees. The, I, have, I have a bunch of farmers in different parts of the province that are. They ask me how do I spray this thing, and I ask them, do you spray your canola crops with a plane? He says, yeah. Okay, then <laughs> you know, okay. a lot of neighbors. No, a lot of neighbors will get together, right, and spray together. Now, the only thing is, I would worry about. You say you're using a copper spray with the uh, for the ash and and elm trees, right? Right. And I'm just wondering what the issue is there, because I know that with the copper spray, I've been using that for spruce trees for needle cast disease, right? Yeah. But have you have you diagnosed what you're spraying for fungal on the on the ash in that? Well, no, that's the trouble. We don't know what it is. Like we tried to get uh, some help to see what it is because the yeah. leaves turn like they curl up and then they turn yellow. And then they turn brown, and then they just die off completely. The tree will have no leaves on them. Now, you're talking about using a plane. You're probably near you're on a farm or something right. like that. Is that correct? Yeah. Now, now the only thing is that uh, like the biggest issue I've been having and going to, you know, checking on how farms uh, giving me calls about is because now everybody's using these high-clearance sprayers, low-drift nozzles, right? Yep. And and so they think that they're safe and they go out there with a little heavier wind and that could be one, two farms over, right? Uh-huh. And ash are really susceptible to herbicides. Like I had one that, that was two farms over that sprayed with an airplane with okay. herbicides and it, it affected my nursery. Okay. Okay. And so that's more than I'm leaning with is if your ash and your maples are doing that, especially maples will be... Real, you'll notice they'll curl right up tight the leaves. Even. Okay. So um, best thing to do is just uh, send send some pictures to me if you want, okay. or bring some samples into the garden center, and then we can actually see what's going on. Because uh, I have a feeling that you may have a herbicide drift that's hitting those plants, or or it hit them one or two years ago. Well, okay, so that would it having... be like canola, like the, the chemicals that they use for canola? Could that? Cause Absolutely. It, Oh, okay, Absolutely. Uh, that's the only using... thing that anybody ever sprays around here is for canola. Yeah. 
I and they're see. using round and they're using Roundup on canola, right? Yep. So, so, uh, so yeah, I would I would do some investigation on that part first because I think that you might have more of an issue there. Okay. Oh, okay. If you're in if you're in a farming community where you got crops right next door. Well, see, most of it they're they're spraying bugs with the airplane in, yep. around here. Not usually can. But, but they're still using high island. yeah. But they're still using high speed, high clearance sprayers though, right? Yeah. To spray everything else, yeah. So okay, let's check it out and let's let's get more details on what's going on there first, okay? Okay, thank you. Perfect. Thanks yeah. so much for the call, Gloria. All right, if you've got a question, you can feel free to get on the line one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. I'm Brittany Cafe here with Rick Van Dyke, and you're listening to Garden Talk on six fifty CKOM and nine eighty CJME.